Hello everybody, Tom Ziegert here. Welcome to my podcast, Theology 21st Century. In this episode, my guests will lead our discussion on domestic violence, its impact, and the failing response of some churches and their pastors. As with every week's topic, I offer the apology that in this format, the subject cannot be exhaustive. Your experiences and thoughts will be a welcome addition to the discussion. Please post them as comments, and we will get back to you. Let's begin. The premier guest on my podcast is Minister Alicia Diane Roden. Alicia is founder and owner of Roden and Crews Family Survival Project. Alicia studied theology at Bethany Christian Bible College, received her master's degree in social work from Antioch College, and her God's Worker Ministry Certification from Saints of Value Ministerial Training Center. I've invited Alicia to join us today to tell us about her experiences as a domestic violence victims counselor. Alicia will also have something to say about her experiences and how some pastors get it wrong when challenged with facing women who have suffered from domestic violence. Welcome, Alicia. Having you join us is truly a gift. Good morning. This month is Domestic Violence Month. It's National Domestic Violence Month all over the world. And it is very important that people understand that domestic violence is real and it is happening in our churches every day. But it's not understood. 37% of pastors believe it does not happen in their congregation. Why is this? It's hidden. They're not trained, and they feel, well, if it's happening, the wife must be doing something wrong. And if they're doing something wrong, I will counsel you, because you are supposed to listen to your husband. Many churches go by Ephesians 5.22, which means, woman, submit to your husband. Be obedient. That also means you always do what they say. You don't question it. It means, okay, if you didn't do this, you must have not submitted. So why are you complaining? That's what they feel. They feel that the Bible says you have to listen. If a pastor is told a woman is being beat, He'll sometimes say, pray about it. Pray that you become that obedient wife because God does not believe in divorce. Or they say, if you divorce your husband, you cannot marry again. That makes it very hard for the woman to get help. So the Bible is used a lot when it comes to domestic violence. It's also said... Don't you understand? God made you who you are. Another thing you face is the abuser saying, I'm truly sorry. I didn't mean to. It won't happen again. I really love you. Or you made me do this. It's very, very sad. Every day, someone is beaten or someone is killed. 
What do I know about domestic violence and the church? I'm a minister's daughter. For many years, I lived with my husband. We went through domestic violence. I was married to this man. I had twins. And when I used to try to go get help from being beaten, I was told, you're not a good daughter. Why are you sinning? How are you dressing? Are you cooking right for him? And if he's beating you, don't say nothing because he's at least paying the bills. He's taking care of his children. Why aren't you grateful? We'll pray for you. But you remember, if you leave him, this church isn't going to support you. And you're a sinner. And they also had the older mothers of the church talking to me, saying things like, girl, you need to straighten up. God gave you that man. God gave you a gifted man. Be happy. It got so much to the point where he was beating me every day. He didn't say sorry anymore. He didn't give excuses. He just beat me whenever. If dinner wasn't cooked right, if the floor wasn't done right, if the kids weren't even quiet enough. How did I get in this relationship? I married this man when I was in my teens. By the time I was in my 20s, he was full-blown into abuse. Abuse of money, taking the money. If you went to shopping, you had to account for what you had. You had to have dinner on time. When he came home, be quiet. Make sure those kids are quiet. And oh, I didn't hit you that bad. And remember what the Bible says, you have to obey me. You obey me. I married you. And by the way, you're too ugly to be married to anybody else. How are you going to take care of them kids? So I ended up leaving him. I went to the YWCA in Michigan, and they sent me to California to a place where they said it was for domestic violence. I went to the place in Van Nuys, California. But when they found out I had a life-threatening disease, I was told, you can't stay here. And by the way, if you do, we have to isolate you and your children can't play with anybody. So for a while, I had to go to another domestic violence shelter and try to make it. It wasn't easy. Domestic violence scars a woman. A woman feels she's less. Sometimes if you're trying to get government benefits, you're told you're not a mother. If you were a mother, why did your kids see you get beaten? And many women do not want to tell the Department of Social Services because if you do, you're that bad mother and we may have to take your children. And how do you feel when you're a woman and you're trying to raise your children and they're taken? Also, I need to put light on men are abused too. It's always said that men are never beaten. They're lying. Or if they are beaten, they like it. Or they'll say, oh, men are beaten because they're gay. It is not right. In Los Angeles, California, we have a center called Genesis Center where men are there with their children who've been beaten. Yes, men are beaten. Women can be very brutal and the men sometimes don't want to get needed help. How are you going to get help when the judge is going to look at you and say, I think you're lying? Or the hotline worker may say, 
you sure you got beaten? Or the police might laugh about it. Or the police will not get help for that man. So yes, domestic violence is real. There's physical abuse where you're beaten. There's the financial abuse. There's the mental abuse of being told, you're ugly. How are you going to make it? You can't do this. Or there's also the abuse sometimes, if you're ill, the person will use that against you. Oh, I'm going to out you. I'll tell your family that you may have HIV. Or they may say, who going to take care of you when you get too ill? Nobody wants you. So it's very hard. Being a domestic violence counselor, I've seen many cases. I've seen men, sorry, and I've seen women, sorry. But it takes a lot to help a person with domestic violence. It is time for the church to understand it is not about sin. It is not about not having a divorce. Why would you stay with someone who's going to beat you? I was beaten for many years. I even got to the point of losing all of my teeth, having them knocked out of my head, being told, now who wants your behind? I want you to know, pastors, if you're a pastor or an elder or whatever, be understanding. Don't say, I'm just going to pray for you and you're going to stay with your husband. That's not right. The next question is said, why do women or why do men stay? Maybe you have no place to go. If you're a mother with children, you may feel, how am I going to support my children? Where am I going to live? Because right now, domestic assault shelters are very full. How do you get the money? With COVID, many women are being beaten and they choose to stay because there's nowhere to go. If you're going to leave, take your time. The important things you should take with you are school records, insurance papers, Medi-Cal cards, Medicare, car keys if you can, change of clothing, take what you can. But it may take a while before a woman can leave. She cannot leave just instantly. Sometimes she has to wait till she can. Also, pastors, stop saying it's a sin. What is a sin to you? Do you have a right to judge? How would you feel if a woman is beaten in your church and you just said, pray about it? It is not a sin that caused this woman to be beaten. It is not about obedience. The Bible says nowhere in the Bible that you have the right to be beaten up. That is not obedience. Yes, I understand a woman is supposed to be submissive to her husband, but that also goes both ways. Both people have to be submissive. Nobody is nobody's boss. It is a joint partnership in marriage. Not saying you do what I say because I'm controlling of you. That is not right. Love should not hurt. Jesus did not speak hurting or hatred. Look at how Jesus helped the woman with the issues of blood. For 12 years, she bled, but God stepped to help her. 
Look at the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. She was considered a bad woman, but Jesus still loved her. Also, look at the woman at the well. Pastors, church members, domestic violence is real. A church is a hospital, not a prison, not a place to judge. If a member can't go to the church and get help, where can they go? Domestic violence is not going to stop until we as a people come together and understand people are hurting. No one should be silent. It takes a while to get healing from domestic violence. There's the trauma, there's the shame, there's the rejection, and then there's the other part saying, you're not a good mama, you liked it, why didn't you stay? You had everything in the world, you had money, you had cars, that does not make a marriage, and that does not make the children happy. Many children grow up fearing domestic violence, or they end up violent themselves, even domestic violence can affect a newborn baby. You see newborn babies fighting in the crib. Yes, domestic violence is real. In my work, I've seen many deaths. I've seen some people change. But change has to start in the church. It has to be pastors becoming educated what domestic violence is. Domestic violence is not just a hit, it's not a pat, it is violence. It's taking one's freedom. It's saying, I control you. No, love does not hurt, and that is not about marriage, nor is it about obedience. What is obedience? Obedience means I'm somebody's master. The only person you should be obedient to is yourself and to God. God is a gentleman, and he doesn't even force himself. So if you're thinking domestic violence isn't happening in your church, it happens in your pulpit, it happens in your choir, it happens in your ulster boards, it even happens in those old saints in the church that have been married 50 and 60 years, but they don't tell it because there's a fear of I'm not saved. What is I'm not saved? Is it condemnation? Is it using the Bible against somebody? The Apostle Paul, with all due respect, he was a great man, but he believed in the church a woman should be silent. Women shouldn't always be silent. Women do things in the church. But silent does not mean being beaten, nor does it mean a man being beaten. What does it feel like when you're taking your life away? You're being beaten. How do you hide the scars? How do you tell your children your daddy didn't mean it? And he did. How do you feel that I can make it by yourself? Remember when women go outside and they leave domestic violence, some women may need to get educational training, medical training, finding housing, and finding a new community, and even finding a new church that may love them and nurture them, not condemn them. Because 
We're not scarlet women or scarlet men. So remember in this month of domestic violence, and every month, someone's dying. Someone's crying. Someone is wondering, what did I do to get beaten? Or someone is saying, I beat you because you deserved it and you didn't listen to me. Or someone said, you made me beat you. No one made them beat you. They only chose to beat you. Yes, I do believe sometimes battering of one spouse does happen from generations back. But you can change that. If you're beating your spouse, you can get help. You can really try. And pastors also, please do not tell the wife, stay with your husband. It'll be all right. Pray about it. Some women think I prayed all the time, and I'm still getting my butt kicked. Find a safe haven for that woman. Help her. And no, you cannot counsel the couple. That spouse is going to get very angry if that other spouse is saying, I'm being beaten. He may talk to you as a pastor, and the woman could end up going home, being beaten, or being killed. Yes, death does happen in domestic violence. Please be aware of your members' feelings, especially the ones that are getting beaten. Pastors, pray about what you're doing. Be loving. Be kind and understand you're not a judge. You're not God. You're a man of God or a woman of God that is there to love. And remember, your church is the hospital. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. That's a good message for all of us to hear as we honor Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I'd like to say that if you are in an abusive situation and you're in a church where your pastor can't support and nurture you, then you need to find a new church and a new pastor. It helps attitudes to have domestic violence centers in your area. They usually develop relationships with law enforcement and courts. In our area, the police will take an abused person and his or her children to the center, and they'll relocate the new client and help that client find work and a way to sustain his or her life and the lives of their children. And they do that by taking them to another area. It's very beautiful. That needs to happen in more places. It does. And finding ways to support and get support for centers in one's area is really important because it changes those attitudes. What do you say, Alicia, to help women recover from domestic violence? I tell them they're very valuable. They have not done anything wrong as a mother. I tell them that you have not sinned. I tell them you've been hurt. I understand what you're going through, but I also ask them what do they want. I let them say what some of the needs that they need. I tell them if you're ready to leave, I'll work with you. I'm going to work with them even if they're not ready to leave because it takes a time. And I let them know that even though they've been beaten, there's choices they have. I try to tell them about domestic violence shelters. I tell them what it's about. 
and what can happen. We look at housing, and I also mostly nurture that woman because she's been abused. She doesn't need to be traumatized anymore because when you go through a system like welfare, you're traumatized. And so as workers and even pastors, we have to be loving how we talk to people. You don't come with a attitude of, you're just bad. You know what you did. No, they're not bad. And they also, I let them know that maybe, yes, you stayed a long time, but I understand you couldn't leave right now. I empower her and let her know she loves her children, which she knows, and she can make it, but it'll take time. And I'm always there for her. Do you say anything different to men? To a man, I tell him, I know you've been beaten, but I also look at his shame. I tell him, yes, it's hard because that man is not believed. I tell him, you've not done anything wrong. It doesn't make you a lesser man. And it's also all right to cry. Because as, as men, they're raised to be told, you don't cry. You don't show emotions. And if you can't show those emotions, you will explode. So I tell them, it's all right to be angry. It's all right to cry. That does not make you less of a man or a father. And I also applaud fathers because in the shelters, you're seeing more fathers raising their children by themselves. And it's hard sometimes when you're a father by yourself and you don't have that mother to help. Or sometimes even in when the man is by himself with two children, he's told, why don't you marry somebody? A quick, you can't do it by yourself. I let them know you can raise your children. Do you need parenting classes? Do you need anger management? But I also tell them, take a year of healing, like I would tell the woman, before you get back into a relationship. A year of, you know, going through therapy, uh, getting a new relationship with your child. And also I try to throw away the labels that society has for a man. He's strong. He's always strong. He always has to have no emotions. I let him know he's so valuable. That's what I do. Thanks. That's really important both uh, to help nurture and uh, let people find a way to self-confidence and self-value after so much abuse because a lot of abusers the, the way they begin is devaluing the person that they're abusing so that they think they're not worth anything i've heard it it's really not been not my experience while i have friends who have escaped domestic violence situations um i've actually even as a pastor uh never been in the midst of a domestic violence situation. And I've heard that it is better to remove children from a, a home of violence than it is to stay in it, that they wind up uh, finding their own strength, realizing the strength of the parent who got out in and the, their ability to make that decision. Uh, what's your experience on that, Alicia? I think it is very important to, to the child to be taken away from that home by the one parent 
because I know that it builds up fear, it builds back insecurity, and also I also look at even though the child is leaving the one parent, they're gonna always love that parent, that other abusing parent. They may not understand why am I leaving mom or why am I leaving dad. There might be anger, but it helps if the child can be taken away from that parent because they need counseling. They may have anger that they need to express. Uh, you see, I have had clients where I've seen children where they're fighting in school because that's the only way they know how to to protect themselves. Yes, they should leave, but I also think it needs to be counseling. And I also think that it also needs to look at, even if the court system is involved with the custody battle, it needs to look at, does the abusing parent need to be around that child until he's gotten help or she's gotten help? What do I mean? Batters intervention classes, which I teach too. He needs to learn what it is to be, or she needs to learn what it is to be a batter, how you've affected your children, how you've affected your spouse. Because if you always bring that child right back into the situation of the abuser, there's confusion. There's your mama made me do this, or your dad made me do this. No, I think it needs to be a place where the child can heal. They can get counseling and age-appropriate counseling. Someone that is going to understand the child, not someone is going to say, wasn't your mama mean to you? Maybe you don't need your mom. Did she hit you? Did Or did your dad hit you? That child needs to understand also they didn't do anything wrong. Because a lot of children think if one parent is gone, I did something wrong. I'll be good, mom and daddy. Please don't leave. I don't want to be without you. And a lot of those children I've also seen as teenagers, some of them, become batterers. When I worked at the Gay and Lesbian Center in Los Angeles, California, I saw teenagers who were coming who were already battering their partners. And it was amazing because some of them was 13, 14 years old, but they knew they needed help and they were starting early because you have to look at youth are battering just as hard when they get older. They may get into a dating relationship and think it's okay to batter. My mom battered. My father battered. So they don't know what to do. But some of these kids know they have serious anger problems. There's a lot of anger. If you've seen your, your mom and dad are beaten. Or you've been battered. It's a lot of anger. And a lot of shame. So I think kids need help. And they have places like Peace Over Violence. Who teach young people about what it is to be battered or not to be battered. I think it needs to be more educational programs in the schools, which I am seeing in high school. But I also think it needs to happen in the elementary school because you have kids in elementary that are already seeing their parents battering each other or they're battering their uh, sibling. And also I wanted to say domestic violence can happen as a spouse, a grandmother, a sibling, an aunt. Those are some of the categories. 
But yes, kids need help, and I believe that they should be taken out of the home, away from the batter, with the parent, and not sent to the Department of Social Services. Thanks, Alicia. I live in uh, the largest county in the country here in California, and it has the highest domestic violence rates in the nation. And I live in an area in that county that has the highest domestic violence rates in that county. We have an organization known as Unity Homes here that is an amazing place uh, to wind up if you have been battered. It, uh, they have apartments uh, and all over uh, various counties where they move their clients to. They have a shelter where you can come and begin the process. And it's an amazing place where, where they understand what someone that's been battered has gone through. They know it's not their fault. And they make sure that those who come through there uh, find their way back through healing into a, a life that can be rewarding and healthy and joyous again. Any final words for us, Alicia? My final words are, if you're being battered, please get help. If you're a batterer, please get help. And remember to the person who's being battered, it is not about the shame. It's not about judgment of the church. It's about taking and loving yourself. It will take a while to come back and to begin to love yourself. But part of loving yourself is saying, I need help. Can you help me? And it's also beginning to regrow and to say, I can make it. And remember, you're someone, and domestic violence is not your first name. Peace and blessings. I hope you send me your thoughts on today's topic. If you like these podcasts, please leave a rating, a like, or a review, and subscribe to them so they can come to you. My blog site will have supporting documentation, if not a transcript. If you're interested, please check that site. It is www.searching-for-god.com. Look for next week's podcast, due out on Sunday, October 18th. My guest will be Reverend Gilbert Stones, and our episode title will be All Dogs Go to Heaven. May God continue to bless and keep you. Stay safe.